What did the plumber say to the singer? Nice pipes. Dang it. <laughs> you still laugh though. I get a point. Oh. All right. How do you drown a hipster? How do you in the know? mainstream? That's pretty good. What aquatic animal is the most gullible? I don't know. Un fish que chupa. <laughs> <laughs> a sucker fish. Uh, hey Matt, have you heard about the new movie? It's what? called It's called Constipation. <laughs> yeah, it Is never it coming it never, out in theaters. No, it never it never came out. <laughs> when spring arrives, I get so excited. I just I wet my plants. That's <laughs> good. I like that. That's good. So I'm trying to lose weight. <laughs> okay. He's already laughed. I didn't feel the punchline yet. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that was a joke. So I'm trying to lose weight, but it keeps finding me. Yeah. Maybe he's bringing his friends, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, why couldn't the toilet paper cross the road? All this toilet paper, I don't know. It got stuck in a crack. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I used to breed rabbits, but then I realized they can handle it on themselves, by themselves. <laughs> 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 knock knock. Who's there? Wooden. Wooden who? Wouldn't you like to hear another joke? <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Um, a pig. A pig who? He's going across the moat. <laughs> <laughs> knock knock. Who's there? Dishes. Dishes the police open up. My oh. turn. Your turn, okay, go. And you don't laugh. Me don't laugh? Okay, I'm gonna take um, maybe knock. okay. Who's there? Uh oink oink. Oink oink who? He's gonna cross the road. Hold on, let's try this. Let's do a staring contest. Ready? One, two, three, go. I think Ezra suffers from something I suffer from once in a while, which is a, a punchline in search of a joke. The other punchline, just to what the joke was. Anyway, well, that was the worst uh, hour of my life right there. That was the hardest. 
dad jokes are awful. They just really are. It's only the kids that make them funny, right? So anyway, so happy Father's Day, dads. We love you. We're glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Uh, we don't think you're a joke. We think you're extremely important, and we appreciate being here. We're going to get back to God. That's something we do around here. If you're a guest, don't worry about it. And uh, by the way, some people have asked earlier in the month, we talked about the fact that we were coming up to the end of our fiscal year, and we we're coming up a little short. And I wanted to say thank you to all who kind of stepped up. We're not quite there yet, but we've cut the deficit quite a bit. If you haven't kind of joined in and given a little something extra, we appreciate you doing that. That way it keeps us from having to cut the budget and some ministries next year. So if you haven't kind of participated in that generosity, I ask you to do so, and, and thank you in advance for doing that. So, um, Father's Day. It's Father's Day. I don't know. You don't know this. You can't know this uh, unless you work in the nursery. We have an explosion in the nursery. We have so many babies. Now, back in the Midwest, we used to blame it on a cold winter. I don't know what we blame it on California, but uh, we have so many babies. We're actually having to expand the nursery, which is exciting. That's wonderful. We love that, uh, And but that leads me to believe that maybe we have not we have a lot of babies, we have a lot of new dads. And so I thought maybe this Father's Day I would try to talk to the new dads and, and give you some things you already know probably, remind you of them. And, and for the rest of you, if you kind of listen in, you might learn something yourself. And so I want to share some ideas, some thoughts about uh, for new dads what it means to be a great dad and how you get there. And um, it's really, it's about the commitments you make well, actually, more accurately, it's about the commitments you make and keep. It's about the commitments you make and keep. And I want to talk about <coughs> some commitments, some foundational commitments you need to make and keep, and it will lead you to be a great dad. Uh, because I believe that dads are hero heroes. We live in a society where most of our heroes are young and talented and good-looking, which means the rest of your life is purposeless. But it's not true because one event, one talent, one short season of your life does not determine your life. Those people are talented athletes, talented musicians, singers, whatever it is. We honor them for that. We enjoy them. They entertain us. But that is not heroic. Let me tell you what is heroic. Heroic is someone who spends their entire life loving God and loving others in tangible ways. It is a dad who sets out to love his children, to care for them, to love their mother, and over the course of a lifetime not only loves them, but then lives long enough to love their children and maybe their children's children, and continues to be an example over a lifetime of what love looks like. That is heroic. That is a hero. That is what we need to be thinking about when we think about heroic people. And so I want to kind of get us in that mindset because I believe it's in the commitments we make and keep that we become heroic. Dads, we think you're heroes for this very reason. I just want to encourage you in this journey. I'm going to share with you a passage. It's If my if my family were to sit down and we've never written out a formal vision and mission and vision and values like a company would, but I, I would suggest we would all be pretty close if we were to just sit down separately and write them out. Let me tell you kind of the, the mission statement for me as a dad and as a husband, and it comes from Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, and I'll explain the background of this in a few moments, but it's found in verses 14 and 15, but I just want to read um, two segments from verses 15. It's a very familiar passage for those of us who are familiar with the Bible. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. And then he says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
I can't tell you how many times that kind of has popped into my brain when things are a little fuzzy. I'm getting a little foggy about the purpose of life. I'm starting to feel a little selfish or a little self-pity. I remember what Joshua said. As for me, this is a priority in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If nothing else in my life happens, nothing else works, nothing else, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that is true, then my life's going to be all right if I live that out. Now, here's the interesting question. Given the cultural context in which we live, uh, compared to the patriarchal kind of context in which we assume that Joshua was living, is it really relevant? Is that statement relevant anymore? It would be presumptive and even offensive in this society for a dad to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Because that might be the way we would be tempted to read it in the context in which we live. And yet, I want to suggest to you that that statement is still valid for dads to say. It is still valid. Because he is not, and it was a patriarchal society, and he could definitely have just said that, and that's the way it is. But I want to suggest, if you study the life of Joshua, and you read what the New Testament says about being a dad and a husband, that it might be about something else. It might not just be about a command. It might be more about a commitment and a conviction. And I want to suggest that we would do well as dads to take it on as a commitment and a conviction, that this is what my life should be about. And with God's help, I'm going to make, do my best to make sure this is what my life and my family's life is about. Because if you get that right, everything else will turn out okay. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added unto you is what the Bible says. So I want to talk through the commitments, some commitments just off the, uh, just kind of thinking about it that I think would, would go with this. And um, because the reality is that it already happens. Uh, if I were to visit you on a Sunday afternoon in the fall, I might find out that you're a Rams house or a Chargers house or even a Chicago Bears house, hopefully not a Green Bay Packers house. A few people down front just started to throw things. Or we're a dirt biking house. Or we're a, we're a house that's all about making money. Or we're a house about high achievement. We're, this already exists. It's just that you don't get intentional. What Joshua says is choose. Don't just fall into what kind of house you are. Choose what kind of house you're going to be. And so I want to talk about that. And the first commitment I think that, that fathers we need to make, and if you're a young father, I encourage you to, to choose it, is to choose to lead, to lead your family. Now this, in a day in which, you know, the whole patriarchal thing is very much uh, looked down upon, this is like, oh, you, you, who said you could lead? No, no, wrong, wrong attitude. Like, you're not the boss of me. Ladies, relax. What we find in the New Testament in Ephesians 5 is that we men are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It's not about commanding and dominating and, and, and imposing. It is about sacrifice. You see, leading is about loving sacrificially, guys. We need to lead in loving. We need to lead in forgiving. We need to lead in extending grace and going first when it's time to have a conversation about something that has separated us. We need to lead in those ways. And there's not a woman on the earth who wouldn't respond to a man who loves her the way Christ loved the church and sacrificed for her. I'm just telling you straight up. It's not about power struggles. It's not about, I, I'm going to get what I want out of this thing. 
It's not about that at all. It's about what am I giving here? Christ gave everything for the church. What am I giving in this marriage? What am I giving in this family? Because that's how you become a leader. It's in giving, not getting. And by the way, young dads, if you ever hear an older guy say, "Eh, I got out of the marriage because I just wasn't getting what I wanted. They won't usually be that honest. They'll say I wasn't getting what I needed. Really? Completely wrong concept of marriage. Completely wrong concept of relationship. Certainly not Christ-like. We need to lead. That's what will build a marriage strong. That's what will build a family strong. That's what will grow great kids. That is the heroic stance we have to take. It's about what, how does that start? How do you even get there? You're kind of getting all preachy, Doyle. Well, how do we get there? It's understanding how incredibly precious the gifts that we've been given by God are. How incredibly precious it is that we would have a spouse and the one we have specifically. It's about our children. They are precious gifts. It's not about, I'm not getting what I want in this deal. I'm out of here. No, no. These children, this marriage, this family, it is a gift from God. You know, it's interesting. We get gifts. We love them when they're new until the new wears off. Second week of January is the worst thing for a life of a toy. Because the newness is worn off, and now it gets thrown around, it gets broken, it gets whatever it is. It's the same in relationships. You remember when you were dating her? I mean, you took a shower, you put on cologne, <laughs> right? And then you got her, and you married her, and then it's sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> because somehow you don't treat that relationship quite... And by the way, don't get me started on the women in the first night without makeup. <laughs> but anyway... Oh, don't act like it's just the guys. Come on, girls. You've got sweatpants too. And so this, when the relationship is new, it's warm and fuzzy and googly eye all the time. And then you got to live together. You got to make this thing work. And there is this terrible temptation to begin to take that thing for granted. <laughs> newborn babies. New, I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to hold newborn babies. You know, because after dropping Cody so many times and seeing the consequences, <laughs> I thought he was going to get away with that fat joke. <laughs> I had the microphone last. But you hold this newborn baby, and, and if their head drops a quarter of an inch, you know, oh, because it's so precious and it's so fragile, dads. Don't ever stop treating your children that way. No, I'm not talking about the the helicopter parent and patting them just to walk outside. No, but I am talking about your attitude toward them. We must always see them. Even if they're big and hairy and smelly teenage boys, we still see them as the precious, incredible gifts that God has entrusted to us. Do we not? And the minute we begin to look at them as an inconvenience, and inconvenient they are, from the first dirty diaper on. But we see them as gifts from God that we were entrusted not to just nurture, not to just care for, but to lead. We must not shrink back from leading. That is a part of what we are called to in this incredible gift. We lead. By the way, just parenthetically, The lack of fatherly leadership in America has filled our prisons and has caused most of the ills that we know in our society. 
So well, that's an overstatement. Look at the stats. Dead serious. We have not understood this incredible privilege and responsibility of leading. Young dads, you're here. I celebrate you for being here because you're taking serious this leading and taking responsibility. By the way, the Bible says we're to provide for our families. And this particular passage is a reference to material uh, provision, but I think it can be extended to emotional and so on. Listen to this passage, 1 Timothy 5.8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. A dad who walks out in his family is an obvious problem. But a dad who emotionally walks out in his family, who's too busy. Guys, young dads, don't be too busy. Don't be too busy to provide for what your kids need. Not just the little ones, but the girl who just turned 13 and looks like her mom already, and you're not quite sure what to do with that anymore. Don't bail. Stay in there. God will honor that. Your kids need that. Take serious the responsibility to provide for your children in as many ways as you possibly can. Keep showing up. You're not a perfect dad. You're not going to be a perfect dad, but you can be a be there dad. You see, what society teaches us is wrong in so many ways on so many levels. They don't tell you that you can win at work and lose at home. And if you win at work and you lose at home, you lose. You could lose at work or not just kind of be mediocre at work and win at home, and you win. One of the saddest stories, and I've shared it before, is a, a good friend of my dad who's, who's now uh, passed on. Said to my dad, was with my dad at a coffee shop. He'd come to be a Christian recently in, in much later years and cried the whole time they were together about all that he had wasted in his first two marriages his first two sets of kids, all of which was lost because he had his focus in the wrong place. Very wealthy, made a ton of money, but he lost at home twice and lost all those kids. So much so that they sued him to get part of his wealth. And he cried over his coffee and he told my dad, I wish I could do it over again. I've never heard anybody cry over the coffee at the end of their life and say, I wish I hadn't spent so much time with my kids. I wish I hadn't been so concerned with my family. I wish I hadn't sacrificed something as a job to get my kids and family on track. It just doesn't happen, guys. Guys, you're here. You're doing good. You're being a good dad. You're being a good husband. We celebrate you for that. We know it's hard. We know it's tough. We know, we know that raising good kids is, takes tenacity and courage and commitment. We understand that. We celebrate that. That is why you're heroic. Great kids aren't raised easily. <laughs> There's a lot of prayer involved, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears involved. And yet it is worth it, dads. I want to encourage you to continue to keep at it, to keep leading and keep loving them. Keep being consistent. There are no shortcuts. There are no life hacks to raising great kids. It's just day after day, loving them, cherishing them, and giving of your time and energy to them. Matter of fact, leading means leading by example. I don't think it's by accident that Joshua said, as for me and my house. You see, it started with him. You see, parenting is, first of all, an act of faith. 
It's about faith. None of us know our kids are going to turn out okay. You never know. We don't know what's going to happen. But we do know that God knows and God can bring about the wanted effect in their life and help them grow up. But we, in faith, step out and care for them and invest in them and believe in them. It is first an act of faith. And it is by example. You see, Joshua was able to stand and say, you don't know how old Joshua was when he said this. He was probably close to 100 years old or, or more. Here's the story of Joshua, if you don't know it very quickly. Joshua was a part of the children of Israel, the Char- uh, children of Israel that Charlton Heston led out of Egypt. <laughs> that joke's only good for about three more years, I think. And, and the parents were led to the promised land that God had for them, but the parents sent in 12 spies. It says, send in 12 spies. And here's what the problem is. The 12 spies thought they were going to assess whether they could conquer who was there. That's not at all. God had already promised they would conquer them. They were just supposed to determine how and when. They were supposed to find a strategy. And they came back and 10 of the spies says, we can't do it. And God said, I didn't ask you if you could do it. It's not you doing it. It's me doing it. And because the 10 convinced the nation of Israel not to go to the promised land, he said, okay, all of you guys, you're going to die in the desert. You're going to die wandering around because you didn't believe me. You didn't trust me. Your life wasn't about faith first. It was about fear. He said, but for two guys, two of the spies came back and said, God says we can take it. We can take it. And it's worth taking, guys. Joshua and Caleb. See, Joshua, all those years before, had been a guy who started with faith and then addressed the situation. As fathers, if we start with faith and then address the situation, we will father differently. We will be a different kind of husband. You see, Joshua started with eyes of faith. He saw the promised land, and he saw with eyes of faith what God wanted to do. One of the things I would challenge you guys is start with faith. Young fathers, begin to look at your children with eyes of faith. Begin to identify how God has made them with certain gift and certain passions and certain temperaments that God has placed in there. And even as you're correcting them and guiding them and trying to make a path straight for them, look at them with eyes of faith and believe what God is going to do in them. One of the most powerful things growing up, even though I took a terrible left turn as a a, a teenager, part of what brought me back was all the eyes of faith that had been looking at me and speaking over me and praying over me. I heard people pray for my parents and others. Lord, you you made Doyle. You gave him to us. Now, we believe you're going to do something with his life that matters. I can't tell you how many times I heard a prayer like that. Sometimes in my presence, sometimes I heard it, my parents praying it in their room, in their devotions. I heard it because they were looking at me with eyes of faith. If you had looked at me, you'd just see a snot-nosed, bratty kid who was more selfish than you could possibly believe. And some of that still exists. We all know that, right? And yet in eyes of faith, starting with faith, they believe something more for my life. Dads, look at your kids and see more, what's, more than what's just there right now but what God intends. You can't direct, you can't dictate, but you can affirm as God reveals who that child is. You can affirm that. The Bible says, train up a child the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Part of that train up is not just teach him about God. Certainly do that. But also train up in the way that they should go, the way God created them to go. Look at them with eyes of faith. So when Joshua stands up and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not a command. It's not that we're going to serve the Lord. You guys better It wasn't at all. It was after probably a hundred years of serving God, him personally. This dude had credibility and he was saying, this is not only, this is not only kind of a commitment I'm making, it is a conviction that this is how life should be lived. You talk about credibility. He had lived through his, his contemporaries saying no to God and the consequences of dying in the desert. 
And he's saying, you guys choose. This next generation, you got to choose. Don't just fall into something. Choose what kind of family you're going to have. As for me, I've seen what happens when you don't choose God. It doesn't turn out well. As for me, in my house, we're choosing God. As for me in my house, this is, this is my conviction. This is how life is supposed to be lived. Guys, if you can get that right, dads, if you can get that right, you get that statement right, everything else is going to be okay. It'll still be hard work. It'll still be blood, sweat, and tears, but it'll be okay, right? Yeah. This dude had credibility. You see, we try to look in the context of, you know, men and women and power is baloney. Throw that out. We're serving Jesus. Men, women, all of us. We're serving Jesus. We're loving him. We're loving each other. We do that. That's hard enough. We don't need to fight over stuff. Let's just love each other as best we can and fight for our marriages and fight for our families. And, and this is good stuff. I don't know if you know it or not, but this is good stuff I'm telling you right now. It's always funny how passionate I find myself on Father's Day. You know what I'm saying? But it's one of the two things that I think I've really worked at in life. And two things that have been hard. And two things that have been worth it. My relationship with God. My marriage. Slash family. That is really it, guys. You get that right. Everything else is going to be okay. It's going to be all right. By the way, you say, oh, how are you to say that? I'm a guy who's going to celebrate his 37th wedding anniversary this week. That's who I am. And if you know anything about me, you know that it is a testament to God's power <laughs> and the incredible angel that my wife is, that that is true. So guys, you can do it. I can do it. You can do it. Just take my word for it. That's why we celebrate you today, because you're doing it. You're trusting God. You're loving your wife. You're loving your kids. You're doing your best, and you know God's going to take care of the rest. And that's why we celebrate. And today, I just want to say, good for you. I want to celebrate you. I want to applaud you. I want to thank you for being who you're supposed to be and who your kids need you to be and who your wife wants you to be. And you're not perfect, but God is working through you if you'll just do that. And I just want to encourage you on your journey and say, good job. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our Heavenly Father and you are perfect. And we are so thankful for that. None of us are perfect, and we, we didn't have perfect dads, but we thank you for the dads that we had, and we thank you for calling yourself Father, so that we, whether we had a good dad or not so great dad, we could come to you. And if we had a bad father, Lord God, we can come to you, and you will change the narrative for us. You will bring healing and hope to those areas that didn't get filled in. And for those of us who are trying to be fathers, whether they had a good example or not, Lord God, you have promised that you would help us to love our wives, to build our families, to grow our children, and you would be with us every step of the way to empower us, to guide us, to work through us. And so, Lord, for every father in this room, whether they have young children or grown children, I pray that you would bless them in this moment. You would let them feel the incredible significance of what they do and that you would empower them today to love like they've never loved, to be passionate about their families like they've never been passionate before, to give as they've never given before, and to know that you will honor that. And so, Lord God, I thank you for these dads, I thank you for these families, and I thank you for the future that you're in charge of as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We have one more thing to do before I let you go. If you would just stand, and I'm going to ask uh, any of the Guatemala people here, I think there are a few here. I don't know how many are here, but I just felt like uh, everybody, everybody stand, and I want the Guatemala people to come down front. You don't know who the Guatemala people are because you're not one of them probably. We have about 70 young adults going to Guatemala this afternoon, evening, and they are going to be, yes. Come over here. Come over down, down, right down here, right in front. You know Guatemala has faced a significant challenge in the last few weeks, and these guys are going, and they're going to make a difference, and they're going to get dirty and smelly and hot and sweaty, and they're going to have their hearts broken by the little kids they're going to deal with, and they're going to make a difference. They are. So close your eyes. Let's pray for these guys. Lord God, I pray for each of these young people right now. Lord, we live in a world that is less than you created to be. There is brokenness and there is hurt and there is pain and there is stuff that happens. And yet you have called us to walk right into the middle of that, to walk into the middle of that where we may not have all the solutions. We certainly don't have all the answers. But Lord God, we can bring your love to bear on really painful situations. And so, Lord God, I pray for every one of these young people, Lord God, that you would use them to touch at least one life. Each of them touch a life. In, a, in an eternity-changing kind of way. Lord, we not only just pray for their safety, we, we pray for their effectiveness. We pray that you would use them and you would change them. Lord, as they care for people who are hurting and struggling, Lord, I pray that you would change their own hearts, that they would see their lives more clearly for what it was intended to be, that they would walk away knowing that giving and loving and caring is the most powerful thing they can do in this world. And so, Lord, I just pray for each of them, and I pray for the people they're going to come in contact with, and I pray that this would be a week, uh, an explosive week, a week that explodes with your love, with your goodness, with your care, and, Lord God, that everybody in involved would be, would be changed. We just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Proud of you guys. You're going to have a great week. Thank you, guys. For the men outside, there's stuff out there. There's barbecue. There's cars. Have fun. God bless you. Happy Father's Day.